0: Good morning, good morning, amen, what a, what a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Fall is coming, I, I, just, I just know it, I just know it, fall is coming into South Texas and uh, we'll be singing of the great things of the Lord as the temperature begins to drop and we begin to, to cool off, amen, thank you worship team for encouraging us to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Lord, we ask you this morning to be blessed by our praises, Lord. Not not just the ones sung, but Lord, the things that rise up in our hearts as we hear the song sung, as we read your scripture in a moment. Receive our praises. Receive our gratitude. Receive our rejoicing. Lord, we're also asking you this day for a fresh expression of your power in our hearts. We know that you're able. We know that you can do anything that you choose to do. But Lord, we're asking you this morning to fill us with your power, to touch us with your power in the places where we're weak, in the places that we can't seem to make sense, we ask you to touch us with your power. Thank you for those words of Paul. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Show us your power this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen. Amen. I want you to take your copy of the Scripture, your, your Bible, and I hope you wear out several of them in your lifetime. Uh, you know, we, we, we don't have a lot of money necessarily to leave to our kids. don't have a lot of property necessarily to leave to our kids, but, but I, I hope you'll be able to put in your will, your Bibles, so that you'll hand those down, pass those down. If the kids want to find out where you are and what you're doing They can just turn to those passages in Scripture, underlined, highlighted, that talk about heaven and talk about a new body and talk about forever with the Lord. Amen? So wear your Bible out. Underline it. Mark it. Highlight it. Just know where you can get back to places that you need to find in order to be encouraged and reminded of who the Lord is and what he's promised to do. He is God, so he cannot lie. He cannot lie. What he has spoken here, he intends to do. I want you to find the gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 6, and we're going to zero in on verse 38. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. But before we get there, let me ask you a question. Are you getting out of life at this point in your life, what you really want. Are you getting out of life, out of life, what you really want? Making that a little more particular, are you getting out of your job? Are you getting out of your profession, what you really want? Are you getting out of your marriage? Don't anybody say, no, Pastor, no, I'm not. Please pray for me. Don't, don't raise your hand. But the question, are you getting out of your marriage what you really want? Are you getting out of your relationship with your kids, young, middle grown, what you really want? I want to offer you a key. I want to offer you a couple of lines that we'll be back and forth on a good bit in these next few minutes. The key to plenty, the key to plenty. And here's the key. Give Jesus something to bless. Give Jesus something to bless you see it may not all be everybody else's problem that they're wrong or they're mean or they're cold or they're messed up certainly some of that can be true but what if At least a part of why we're not getting back all of what we really want in life, want in those aspects of our life, is because we're not giving Jesus something to bless. Now, He can come and He does. He just gives freely without us having to do anything, many categories, many cases of our lives. He will do that. But I got to tell you, in the Scripture, there is a beckoning. There is a strong and clear invitation repeated again and again and again in your copy of the Scripture that he invites us to just give him something to bless. Five loaves and the two fishes, we remember that story. The little boy gave what he had to Jesus. And as a result of that, Jesus blessed not only that boy, but blessed all those thousands who were there. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, We find these words. These are the words of Jesus. This is not Isaiah. This isn't Paul. It would have been plenty good if it had been either of those two men or other writers of the Scripture. But these are the words of Jesus. This is what Jesus says. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, Shaken together, running over, they will pour into your lap. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. The key to plenty, the key to plenty is give Jesus something to bless. Now, let me show you something else that along that line that we we, we may have missed in the process. Find 2 Corinthians, the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 3 and verse 17. If it's possible to wear out a verse in the Bible, we have near about worn this one out. It isn't possible to do that, but over the last few years, in speaking of the importance of the filling of the Spirit and the role of the Spirit of Jesus in our lives, we have quoted this verse many, many times. Let's hear it one more time. Verse 17, 2 Corinthians 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Paul always used the term Lord in reference to Jesus. Now the Lord Jesus is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. He's saying, where the spirit of the invisible presence of Jesus Christ the Lord is at work, is doing what His heart is to do in the life of a person. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, that that's the way, We generally translate that word that's a Greek word that Paul used to bring it into English to give us a sense of what Paul was writing in that old language. But there's another word you can insert in there that's just as accurate as where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Get this you can also accurately, consistent with other usages of this word in the New Testament, you can also insert, insert the word generosity. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's generosity. Where the Spirit of the Lord is at work in a heart, He will do the work of freeing that person up from whatever the constraints may have been that might have caused us to shut down mentally, emotionally, whatever it might be, and causes there to be freedom to be generous, generous with love, generous with joy, generous with patience, all of those things that are a part of the fruit of the Spirit, but also in the place... Of material things, relational things, but material things as well. When you read in Acts chapter two, what happened after the day of, on the day of Pentecost, when those three thousand folks responded to the message of Jesus and they received Christ in their hearts, and and they were evidently also filled with the Spirit, the way that the apostles were, not necessarily in the same way, but the result was the same. They were filled with power, and the result was. The power of the Spirit in the hearts of those who had received Jesus is that they were set free from having to worry about the material things and financial things. They started sharing what they had with everybody else. Some of them even started selling property and selling houses, and they'd take the proceeds, put the the proceeds at the apostles' feet so that, that, that it could be dispersed as was needed. Generosity, generosity, generosity. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, yes, but there's generosity. Now, what, what does that have to do with it? It has everything to do with it. it he, here's, here's where we're going. The Lord isn't just about telling you what you and I need to do and how we need to behave and how we need to quit certain things and start certain things. He knows that unless he gives us help to do the things that we know we ought to do, we won't ever consistently be able to get them done. So if if, if he's saying here, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure pressed down, shaken together. He knows that in order for you and me to be able to do that consistently, to do it from our hearts, to do it with joy, He's going to need to give us the ability to be generous, to act freely. So he gives us his spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is generosity. Lord, fill me with your spirit means that I'm praying, Lord, will you fill me with the generous heart, the generous heart that brought you out of heaven, brought you down here to this earth because you would invest all that you invested in the lives of people and healing the sick and, and and tending to the needs of people you just gave and you just gave and you just kept on giving lord if i'm if i'm supposed to live like that You're going to have to help me live like that. And that's exactly why the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ was poured out upon the church on the day of Pentecost. And why you and I have the privilege, the opportunity, it's our birthright in Christ to pray, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Now listen, folks, this is intended to be all about hope. This isn't intended to be all about holding up the bar higher and we all feel how bad we feel because we're not generous people by nature. Some folks are generous. Some folks are just wired that way. But for many, it can be, Lord, this thing about giving, giving away, when I look around and I see things happening in the country, or I see things happening in my own financial situation that can cause me to to, to not want to give, just to keep, just to hold on, just to protect. If I'm going to turn into a generous person, when I've been hurt by folks I've wanted to love, when when I've when I have been spoken against by ones that I wanted to to respect me and feel good about me, Lord, if, if, if you're calling me to generously again give to them, generously in this season, honor you and give materially, I just need to tell you, Lord, I can't do it unless you help me. But the joy is he has sent the helper. It's not about us beating ourselves up because we're not in the flesh. We're not naturally the way we ought to be. Those, those places of lack are just intended to point us to the source where the, where the problem can be solved. And the answer is, and it's those rivers of living water. It's that, that, that fountain, the stream that the life of Jesus wants to bring forth in us. Different than we are. But the life and power of Jesus by his Spirit Enabling you to be and me to be what I could not be unless He filled me with His Spirit. There's the hope. There's the hope. The key to plenty is giving Jesus something to bless. But if I'm going to be moved, if I'm going to be persuaded that that's something that I need to do, that that really is true, then it's going to take the Spirit of Jesus at work in me, convincing me and enabling me to do that. All right? So hold on to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Turn over a few more pages or a few more chapters to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And verse 6, here comes this theme again. The key to plenty is giving something to Jesus to bless. Verse 6, now this I say, Paul writes, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall also reap. Bountifully. Now we'll come back to that in a minute, but keep going, keep moving to the right. Go to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. What you sow, you reap. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not a month away, but what you put in the ground, what you sow, is what is going to grow up. For the one who sows to his own flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to his own spirit, sows to the spirit, shall from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not lose heart, In doing good. Let us not lose heart in sowing good seed. For in due time, we shall reap if we do not grow weary. I want you to back up to Luke chapter 6 again. You, you, You find, look at verse 31, Luke 6, 31. And just as you want people to treat you, Treat them in the same way. And if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you, Jesus said? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those who from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even each see Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount but love your enemies, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful, and do not judge, and you will not be judged, and Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. And pardon, and you will be pardoned. And then he says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, they will pour into your lap, for by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Now, I want you to go from there and I'm fixing to just, I don't, I'm not trying to be mean, but, but, but I'm fixing to get into some folks' business, all right? And I'm, I'm letting you know ahead of time. So if you want to tune out, but this isn't intending to hurt. This isn't intending to speak hopelessness. This is intended to encourage you as a child of the Lord Jesus Christ blood-bought, washed, a possession of Jesus, and one who has the opportunity to be filled with the Spirit of Jesus so that the things that were true in Jesus' life, with his personality, with his faith, with his love, those kinds of things that can seem so far into who we are in the natural can be ours by the filling of the Spirit of Jesus inside your body and inside my heart. So that cry, that prayer, Lord, fill me, fill me, Jesus. Go go to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 18. Paul Paul is writing, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Allow yourselves to be being filled with the Spirit is the way that literally reads. Verse 21 says, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And then he just heads right into marriages. The the, the next topic, the next person that he names is, is wives. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. But the context is, looking back at verse 21, be subject to one another. It's not just about only about wives having to be subject to their husbands. There is a measure in which husbands are to understand that I'm to be to a degree and in a sense subject to my wife and who she is as an heir of the grace of God, a joint heir of the grace of God. There's a functionary role here that Paul's speaking of and he had clarifies that, delineates that a little further as we go along. But look down at verse 28. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Verse 33, nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife, even as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. So, so how's your marriage this morning? I, 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 didn't, I didn't ask, you know, are you reading your Bible, or are you in church, or do you, are you both Christians? That, that wasn't the question. The question is, as far as your marriage goes, are you getting back out of that really what you most long for? If if, if the question, if the answer is a hesitation or maybe just a flat-out, no, pastor, it really isn't. I want to suggest, lovingly but clearly suggest, that you not look first at your partner, your spouse. Because the scripture says, you give and it will be given to you. The scripture says, God isn't mocked. Whatever a person sows, they're going to reap. The scripture also says, the ones who sow little... Sparingly, get back little, but the ones who sow abundantly, extravagantly, they reap in the same measure. It's easy for us to fall into the trap. Well, if I can just get her to counseling, right? If I can just trick him into going to see this person over here, get around these men, we can get him fixed. And never stop to ask or come up. Let, let, our, let our lives and our responses in marriage match with the Scripture. So what am I sowing as a husband? Does my wife, and she's here this morning, and she's got one of those, the equivalent of what the coaches in the NFL have, where if there's something that they don't agree with, They take that handkerchief and they throw that out there on the field. So she's got one over here. So if you see something coming, that she's saying, "I protest! I protest the call." But we've worked through this for over the years, and and I feel like what I'm going to be saying that that she would she would have to concur with. If if I say I'm nourishing and cherishing Shirley. Well, of course I love my wife. Maybe not like Jesus loved the church, but of course I love my, my wife. But if, if, if she doesn't feel it, if she doesn't sense it, it's as if I'm just sword fighting Don Quixote's windmill. I'm fighting in the wind. In the same way, ladies, ladies you would say you're pressed back against the wall. Of course I respect my husband. Of course, I respect my husband. But if you ask him, is that what he would say? You see, ma'am, if if he doesn't get it, if if he doesn't sense that you respect him, it is as if you've wasted your time. If, If my wife doesn't get it, if she does not feel nourished and cherished, then it doesn't matter what else I may be doing. If she doesn't feel it, It ain't happening. If he doesn't feel it, it ain't happening. So so today when you have roast preacher for lunch, you know, somebody just maybe throw that out there. Well, do you feel loved and cherished? Or do you feel respected? Do you feel that I respect you? Wife to the husband. Husband to the wife, do you feel nourished, cherished? Do, do you feel that I will put you ahead of me? Do you feel that I will make choices where I'm more concerned about how you're doing than whether or not I like it? Okay. Now, I'm standing here. She's sitting right there. And I can tell you that apart from the spirit of the living Jesus, doing a work of rescuing David Walker from David Walker's selfishness? She could never say that. But the hope is that when we see this and realize here's the standard, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. wife respect your husband. That he's saying that, but the whole blooming context is by means of the power of the Spirit. And you continuously, remember that first verse we read, allow yourselves to be being filled with the Spirit. And what does the Spirit do? The Spirit works a generous heart in us so that instead of it being a begrudging word of respect or begrudging kind of self-backing away and choosing what she would choose or letting, instead of it being a fist fight with yourself, it's, Lord, you know, but I can't do this on my own. I'm asking you to give to me the ability to sow seeds of loving and nourishing and cherishing my wife. I don't even know what all of that is, but I'm asking you to show me. I'm asking you to give me the kind of heart that would, in a humble place, put myself Blow before her to say, when do you feel the most loved by me? When do you feel the most cherished by me? When do you feel the most nourished by me? Instead of me coming up with it, to let her speak. Same way, ladies, ask him and then let him answer. And it may be something that 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 just blows your hat in the creek. You, you, you do how in the world they come up with that. How in the world would that could you try that again and it might work this time when it didn't work the last time? Or, or, or how in the world could I be expected to live in such a way? Instead of hearing it just through your own ears, as if it's as if it's you by yourself and here's a standard, but there's no helper helping you get over the bar? You got a helper. You have a helper to help you be the wife. You have a helper to help you be the husband. And from that place to give and give and give and give and give and give as unto the Lord and recognizing and believing and holding on to his promises. True Lord, you said if I would give, that it would be returned, that there'd be a receiving and, and they would be the blessing would be more than I could even hold on to, more than I could even hold in my lap. Uh-oh. What are you doing? This is life at the pastor's house.
1: Is this good? Oh, it does work. Well, you did it. You did it. You put that there. No, it's just a really good word, and I couldn't stand it any longer because... There's an application, two parts of an application right here. And so I, I'm calling it technical, I guess. <laughs> is, no, I'm opening up a window. That's oh, what we oh, say, I'm opening okay. up a window. In this matter of marriage, and there's, there's the best analogy f- to me personally about what happens in marriage fights going on in our, in our nation right now, and it has to do with the NFL. How about that for me relating to you? There are players who have come from uh, neighborhoods where they grew up and there was, there was um, police brutality and things that shouldn't have gone on. And so they have chosen to kneel during the national anthem. And what they believe that they're saying in their heart when they kneel is that they're saying there needs to come change in our nation regarding uh, the way that that, uh, uh, African Americans in particular are treated by policemen and we're all familiar with that. But that, for them to kneel, says to the neighborhood that they grow up in, even though I've become a fancy football player and I'm making millions of dollars now, I remember where I came from and I remember what it was like in those streets and I'm crying out for change. That's what they believe they're saying when they kneel. For others watching that, especially for those who have lost a loved one, uh, defending our country, um, but, but for, for many of us who believe that the national anthem and the flag are places that demand respect from us, um, when we see someone kneel, we can look at them and think they're disrespecting the flag, and we can get angry at them. So what's happened in this situation is so like marriage, and that one person thinks they're saying something really clear clearly as clearly as they can, and the other person is watching what's going on, and they're it's it's completely short circuited What I'm trying to say. You are not hearing. What you are hearing is not what I'm trying to say. And we go round and round right. and round. Right? We've been there more than once. In fact, on our trip to Montana this summer, we were at that very place. Um, always in Wyoming, David will let me drive. It's like, how many how many miles is it there?
0: Way too many. It's way too many.
1: 17 hundred and fifty miles well, yeah,
0: seven about 1750 from here to bozeman montana and wyoming is some of the last stretch before you actually get into south dakota and
1: what else about wyoming what's you the speed, know, limit, the speed there?
0: limit is about 950 <laughs> miles an hour you know if, if they if they can catch you i guess it is so.
1: and which one of us likes to set the cruise control and go the speed limit exactly the speed limit not an inch over the speed limit <laughs> and which one of us likes to do the Texas 10 you know
0: Texas 10
1: 10 miles that, over the speed who limit He says that's Texas 10? Uh, Ryan says that <laughs> okay. he says the policemen aren't going to pull you <laughs> over <laughs> unless it's 10 miles well, over the speed you can, limit you
0: can trust Ryan okay <laughs>
1: Usually, by the time we get to Wyoming, he's really tired because he's driven a whole, 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 whole bunch. And I get to drive, and we have a huge fight in Wyoming over my driving. First of all, he always uses the cruise control. I don't like to because it's relinquishing control in driving that I need. Did you notice that word?
0: Did you notice that word? Relinquishing (laughs) control to the... (laughs) Cruise control. Oh, you don't have set to go there. The that was of... a
1: rabbit that didn't need to be. <laughs> anyway, we always get in a fight in Wyoming over my driving and and I'm trying my hardest to do what I'm supposed to, but sometimes my foot gets happy happy because I'm getting so close to Montana. And I don't mean to be going faster than I should, but I start going faster. Then he says, You should be using the cruise control, and I don't want to. And and this summer it got to the point where he was saying, I what did you say to me?
0: Well, I want not know what you said.
1: I know, but what did you say to me? I, I
0: don't know. I don't know what I said. It I was just like, remember
1: the police are going. to, You should get a ticket. The police are going to pull you over and give you a ticket. To which I finally said, I was exasperated.
0: Well, I want a ticket. That's what she said. Well, I okay. want to get a ticket. That—that—that's yeah. the level of debauchery, which we both were at the end you know, of that.
1: Yeah, we were, and and. You could see the wires in his brain just sizzling because he's a firstborn, and he's so responsible, and the last thing in the world he wants is to get in trouble by, from a person in authority. I'm the middle child, and I probably lean too far on the grace end than the law end, but I am over in the grace end. Anyway, so I said that, and it, it just kind of blew his mind.
0: So we went for probably 70 80 miles, didn't say a word. To each other. To each other.
1: Or anyone else. Well, I, I think we both probably were praying.
0: Okay, so you're, you're wanting me to share this epiphany that yes. happened to me as we're going through.
1: Because, well. wait, wait, let me let me remember, we've got the kneeling people that are saying there needs to be change in our country so that, that people aren't mistreated just because of their ethnicity ethnicity Mm -hmm. that's a hard one whereas people over here are saying you're not respecting the flag and so we have two different arguments going on at the same time okay back to you
0: did you realize what she has done on this Sunday morning service that she she just walked up here grabbed the microphone has taken over is 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 now asking me the question
1: I mean I how many of you marriages have had this fight where you're fighting something and it's not the same fight go ahead
0: so it began to dawn on me that that's just how she is. That is just how she is. That for some way or another, the cruise control is not security for her. This is security, and and operating the pedals. That that's up. And and so it just began to work. You hear me use that phrase? Drop eighteen inches, head to heart, and so forth. It just began to drop in my. Thick head that that's the way she is. I'm not ever going to change that. If she gets sixty tickets and gets her driver's license taken away from it, that's just the way she is. We fussed over this for twenty years trying to get her to play within my rules and my what I what is what feels right for me. So what happened was, I just that really it was sort of a I don't know how spiritual it was, but it was a it was a profound moment. I just I just gave up. I just I just said, you know, that is who you are, and if you if you're gonna, that's how you want to drive, then you just keep driving that way, and and we'll and we'll go on down the road. Okay, so okay,
1: then then all of a sudden the pressure was on me, right? I didn't have him to fight with anymore, and I thought, what if I did get a ticket? I don't want a ticket. And so all of a sudden, I became so much more responsible in my driving than I ever had it been before. It was very
0: cool. Now, it was very cool. She pulled back on the speedometer. She, she, yeah, it was just. And
1: then the greatest victory is of all is that driving back from Montana to San Antonio, we did not have a fight in Wyoming. First time in 20 years. So there you have it. It can happen.
0: Are you done? Yes. Uh, okay.
1: Where'd the, where'd the handkerchief go? Huh? Where'd the handkerchief go? For what? The handkerchief.
0: It's in my pocket.
1: I'll take it back.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I can handle this. I, there, you, you folks who are out there um, in, our, in our, our land, our, our digital land, uh, live streaming, um, you know, you may not believe this, but it's true. We never rehearsed that. That was not expected. Uh, but she she has the right, and I, I give to I give to Shirley the right after these forty-three years of marriage that whenever she she's listened to not listen telling how many of these Sunday messages um, that she's earned the right to interrupt at any point in time. So there you there there you have it. Somewhere we were in the Bible. Somewhere we were we were going through things. Okay, but the, 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 go back to Ephesians six. Ephesians six, and um, we, we've we've read the part about about the husbands and about the wives and the the responsibilities that are there. The issue being that if if and of that's, course that's folks can just get get all bothered and just want to check out on on the Lord and and what is said in the Scripture when it is looked at in terms of that's something that I'm supposed to do on my own. Can I say this again? It was 1,500 years before the printed Bible, the printed 66 books were available to the church. 1,500 years from the time that Jesus left and the time that Gutenberg printed the first Bible in Germany all those years ago. So how did the church make it? They made it with reliance upon the Spirit of Jesus. Somehow our problem has come in. We have swapped reliance upon the Spirit for a learning of the Bible. There's nothing wrong with, of course, we need to know what the Bible says. But the reason the helper needed to come is because the Lord knew that we can't keep the Scripture. we can't live up to the standards unless He moves inside of us and begins to change us so that we're able to do it. Being, being biblically knowledgeable can end you up in a place of great frustration if the rest of the gospel, isn't, isn't presented to you. And the rest of the gospel is not only are we forgiven in the blood of Jesus, but we're filled with power in the person of Jesus to enable us to be, live out this new creation that we are now in Christ. So, so that's the hope for husbands and wives. It's, it, it, okay, so if, I'm, if my problem is I'm not sowing enough mercy, if I'm not sowing enough love, or I'm not sowing enough evidences of respect and, Lord, you know I can't do that. He knows that. But if instead of, in, in, instead of just giving up on that possibility that it could ever happen in you, for there to be that cry, that prayer, Lord, fill me with your spirit, give to me the ability, and understand when he gets to work in you, generosity begins to flow. Where it used to be have been real tight and, 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 and restricted, and in the, in the flow of expressions of love or the flow of expressions of, of respect because it just seems too risky. Now it's the life of the Spirit of Jesus giving the ability to do that. If Folks, let's just say this. You, you say, you know, I, I, I pray God will bless my marriage. Okay, great. How's that working? I pray God will bless my marriage. Well, he can do that and he does that, but what if in addition to make your marriage better, to take it to another level, there is this principle of of the key to plenty is giving Jesus something to bless. So I I give to the Lord, I offer to the Lord expressions, words, statements that are in the direction of what I want to come back at me. I'm giving the Lord something to bless. I, I don't know if Everybody's hearing this, but, but I'm just saying, you can sit there and be praying all day long and, and spend hours fasting and praying and do nothing on you e- your end, and nothing may change because you're not sowing anything. Well, I'm praying, but what if there's, what if there's to be words spoken? What if there are to be acts and gestures and, and, and spoken? Giving the Lord something to bless. All right, now he, he moves on through this. This is chapter 6, Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. Sow the seed of obeying your parents and the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Verse 4, and fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Don't sow bad seeds with your children, father but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I don't know how many times you know, I've, I've heard men say, well, that's the way I was raised. That's the way my dad treated me. Okay, big boy, how'd that work for you? How, how did you grow up? And, and if, it, if it's the place that, that, that what, was, what was done to me because my father did it to me, and carried himself that way, I am obligated to pass that on to my children. The, the, the tragedy of that, the sins of the fathers are passed on to the sons and daughters, to the third and fourth generation. Somewhere along the line, somebody's got to wake up and say, that was a sin in my father's life. And I will not repeat that same thing. With It stops with me. It, just because daddy did it or mama did it doesn't make it right. So he says, don't exasperate your children. Don't, 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 don't push them to the point. Of anger. and That's an important thing. The, they may, the children don't press them to the point of anger, meaning putting too much on them, unfair, unreasonable, unrealistic, not giving them the sense that they are loved, that, that they're more than just someone who's supposed to produce something but that they're a child, they're they're valued, they're important to dad. That Sometimes dads have to wear the boss hat, have to wear the disciplinarian garb and and deal with things that way. But it says you bring them up in the the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Dads, look at what Jesus did. He, He taught the men, he spent time with the men, he wasn't absent, he was with them. But there was one point we looked at him, he saw they were worn out, and he said, come away with me to the wilderness and rest a while. The example of Jesus where there's mercy, where there's kindness, where it's not one size fits all, every person is individually important to the Lord. And I just want to say this in passing to dads, you got permission to play with your kids. If all they hear, all they see is the boss hat and they never see you chuckle, they never see you laugh, they never see you run off the end of a diving board and do a cannonball and get everybody wet on the side, they, they never see you have fun and they never see you have fun with them, they are being presented with a distorted view of what a father is supposed to be like, amen? Amen. Some of the times that our kids will remember the most are the times that we have the most fun. I would say, I've got to get something in the bank. I tell Shirley, I need to get something in the bank with the kids. I need to get something in the bank with Evan and, and, and Katie and Abby individually because I've had to sit on them or I'm going to have to come down on something right here and I need to get something in the bank. What do I mean? I needed to take them somewhere, just me and them. Go get something to eat. Go do something they want to do. Where it's colleague instead of, instead of dad looking down with the boss hat, you're always doing stuff wrong. If all they hear is failure, if all they hear is he can never measure up, if all they hear is just anger, then that creates an image inside of them that the Lord is not expecting a father to convey. So here's the thing. Don't, don't exasperate your children, but you teach them... You train them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You, you raise them with your eye on Jesus. Not how your daddy do it, but how would Jesus do it? Not, not, not what was put on you, but what would Jesus, how would his personality working through you and touching your kids, how would that look, look and be? All right, so that, that, was, that was, I think that's just important. Dads need to know it's not supposed to be all work and never any play, never any joy. You say, well, I'd have to take vacation. Take it. Take vacation. Quit. Don't go to work. Well, go to work, but don't don't, don't make that, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't because I'm working. You're going to go bass fishing. When the buck starts running, you're going to head south. When there's a Cowboys game that you got a ticket to, you're going to get there. And they know it. They know it. And where there can be when the wife senses, the children sense that I am loved by the man in my life. And he has to be boss and he has to give leadership, but there are going to be times when I know he will put me first, that he'll take care of me. Okay. Well, then he goes on keeps on going. Look look at verse 5. Slaves or servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling as in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ as you work at the job. So how's your job going? This step's right in the middle of that. He's saying instead of being a complainer, instead of being a problem at work, you do what you're doing as if you're working for Jesus. You say, how can that be? It can be. It can be. It can be. For this to be the instruction that Jesus would give when he grew up in the retail business, working with folks and furniture and making stuff with his dad and having to put up with all kinds of stuff, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't doing the, the ultimate messianic fulfillment of all the incredible prophecies regarding him. He was driving nails in wood. He was sawing rough edges off. He was sanding things down. He was putting up with Ms. Whatever because the chair legs weren't long enough. (laughs) So he says, Paul will take from Jesus' example, wherever you work, whatever you're doing, you do that as as if you were working for Jesus. You honor him in that way. You say, but you don't understand my job. There are no exceptions to this. There are no footnotes to this. Not by way of eye service, just doing it for the sake of men, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Doing the will of God. What's the will of God? The will of God is from your heart where you work to be doing your work as if you were working for Jesus. Nowhere does it say when you're called into the ministry, and you get an office in a church building, then you're doing, you're, you're, you're doing the will of God. The will of God, the doing of the will of God is in the place where he has put you, where he's called you, where he's assigned you in your secular job. That's what this is all about. You do it, do the will of God from the heart. And then this verse, with good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men, verse 8, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. Now, you could put that in the marriage section. You could put that in the children's section. Knowing that whatever good good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. Whether married or single, whether older or younger, whether child or parent. Can I read that one more time? It's this law of the harvest. It's this heart and promise of Jesus to bless seed that is sown through your life, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. You say, Well, my job is terrible. People around me are awful. My marriage is a mess. I don't know what I'm going to do with my kids. On and on and on and on and on and on we go. And we affix the blame out there. This is directed towards some brave people who may be listening. Some courageous folks who may be listening who would dare to open your heart up before the Lord for Him to show you where the lack of what you want to have coming in isn't coming in, not because the Lord doesn't love you, not because He doesn't have a good plan for your life, but because He's waiting for you to sow something that He can bless. Does that make sense? That what if the trigger point is in you, not having to wait for somebody out there, but it's in you. Lord, by your grace, by the power of your spirit, I'm bringing this offering to you, this offering of respecting my husband, this offering of letting my wife choose Instead of me having to tell everybody in the whole world what we're going to do, that, that, that this offering of only to come low with my kids, this offering of at work, seeking to genuinely honor those in authority over me. And, and to do what I'm doing there, like Jesus was the one sitting behind the desk. He said, "Well, he ain't, I know he didn't, but from his perspective, he's honored, folks, he's honored when you and I do our lives in the way that please him in this way. I'm not doing this for men. I'm doing it for you, Lord. Now, one other thing, and, and we're done. I want you to find that 2 Corinthians 9 passage again. This has to do primarily with material things, financial things, dollars. And possessions. The context is all about that. Paul is receiving an offering from these churches, the Corinthian area churches, to take back to the Judean area churches because they were in great need. There was a crisis. There was a famine in the world and Corinth was going, wanted to help. And so that's the setting which says, now this I say he who he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. But look at verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the need of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. The the thing Paul is saying is is that the Lord, and and, and it's it's included in here that the Lord in verse 7, let each one do just as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. For God loves a giver. There is a reason why some folks who don't know anything about God or don't care about the Lord or or, or they're just, you know, they're they're godless in many senses of the word, why why so many of them can can have more money than they could ever spend. And it can be because they're generous people. They're generous people. They help the poor. They feed the hungry, they're motivated. The scripture says, and he doesn't make it just the qualification for believers only. This verse, verse seven, God loves a giver. God loves a giver. It, it helps if the giver is cheerful, but the main noun is giver, the adjective is cheerful. God loves a giver. And he says, if you, if, in, in the light of that, The spirit of the Lord at work inside will motivate the giving to come forth. And as that happens, it it releases the Lord to continue to supply more to give away. You, You walk into your sink and you turn the faucet on. And as long as that faucet is in the own position, there's water coming through that pipe. And there's more water coming. The only time the water stops flowing through the pipe is when you turn the faucet off. That's the image here. If you want to be involved in the flow of God's generosity and God's blessing, you keep your faucet in the own position. You say, I don't have that much to give. That's not the point. The point is not the amount. The point is the reality that you've got the faucet on. If it gets down to where you don't have anything else to offer to the Lord except what's in that glass jar, your nickels and dimes and quarters and pennies that you've been collecting for the years, and the Spirit of the Lord works in your heart to give it to somebody, to to, to, to give it away, that little amount, those few cents and pennies can be as much are way more than someone who would have much more discretionary income, but it doesn't represent the kind of the purity of the heart that that gift from you does. Lord Jesus, fill me is not a prayer. Lord Jesus, keep me tight. Lord Jesus, keep me chintzy. Lord Jesus, keep me from the heaven to pay what is owed. This matter of God loves a giver, it's the giver who freely Wants to give. It's not the word about God loves somebody who will pay their debts. Well, we ought to pay their debts. We ought to pay what folks have worked for and we owe them. That's not what this word is. God loves somebody who just loves to give away freely and with not paying a bill or not expecting anything in return. So, well, how can that happen? You and I can't do it, but he on the inside can do it. You say, well, why should I do that? The why should you do that is the answer, is part of the question, how are you liking your life right now? How's your life going? Are you getting back from your marriage? Are you getting back from your kids? Are you getting back from your your profession? Are you getting back from life, what you really wish that you had? Not not all of the peripheral, shallow stuff, but the real stuff, the things that matter to you. That's what I'm saying that I believe the scripture says, look at where and how there can be something in that category that you can give to Jesus so that he can bless it. And it stands to reason that the more we give, the more abundant the the return is. You, You sow minimally and that's what you get back. And we pray all day, God bless, God bless, God bless, but there are specific things that can be done that we're not doing because we're waiting on somebody else to do something. What if the trigger is right here with you? And there could be a releasing of unbelievable favor and unbelievable freedom in relationships, marriages, kids, work, finances, if we just take this seriously. Give and it shall be given unto you. Who said that? The one who created everything that is. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. It's like when you're trying to pack your suitcase. You've got the stuff here that needs to go in that suitcase there. And you take it and you put it and you still got stuff to go. You close the suitcase, you get on top of it and you jump on it, walk around on it, open it back up and you got three or four more inches to work with. And then you put that on. And then you do that again, and then you still got stuff. It's the stuff that hadn't been packed that Jesus is saying, not only will it be crammed full, it'll spill over into your lap to the degree that you give to others is the degree that it comes back to you. Folks, I pray. I'm telling you. I'm telling you this can set some marriages free. It can change. Your street address doesn't change, but it's like the lights have come on in your marriage and even at work. Lord, show me. Show me where the sowing can start with me. Show me what it is that you want me to give to you so that you can bless. Lord, thank you for the time Thank you for the reality of your word. Thank you for the presence and power of your spirit. Lord, and I am believing and thanking you for the shafts of light that have hit some hearts and the freedom that is coming and the specific and definite acts that are coming in order that you may have more to bless in the areas of our lives that are very, very important to us but we're not receiving back all that we could long for, all that we really long for. Take us down this road. Teach us these steps. Open our eyes, open our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you've never opened your heart up to Jesus, Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Christ, this is the day, this is the best day. It can all start over on this day, Jesus, come into my heart. Save me, Jesus. Forgive me. And then the rest of the gospel that we dare not miss. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you for staying with us through this little rodeo ride this morning. There was a, I had some help that I wasn't expecting. But bless you. Thank you. God bless you.